Hey guys, welcome back to the Renewed Brain Podcast. I am here with my co-host. I'm the main host, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have an argument after this. So. I'm Jeff. That's John. I'm the main guy. Gosh. No. And we shot Drew. <laughs> He's gone. I think we we really have to get off that joke. Yeah, uh, I know. But this is the second time we've killed him. <laughs> Last time it was a cat. Yeah. Drew is on the other side of the state. Again. Again. <laughs> Except for we uh, know specifically where he is. He's in Grand Rapids. Um, doing some awesome things. Helping out uh, in Grand Rapids with... Uh, what what was it called again? Fine Arts. Fine Arts, which yes. Is an AOG yes. youth retreat kind of thing. Yes. And he is there with Reach Detroit, which is one of his ventures. Yes. Um, which is really committed to seeing transformation in Detroit. So mm-hmm. we support him in that. Yes. Which and is- if you don't know anything <laughs> about Reach Detroit, I'm pretty sure they have a Facebook page. If you look them up on Facebook, you can get more information for that. Because um, we want to support Drew and everything that he does. So, yes. Um, I know I said last week that I had more to say, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. So it may or may not come out during uh, have a drink with me. Yeah, we'll have to. Hey, we weren't supposed to say that part yet. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> um. So it may or may not come out. Um, uh, we just got to see if he'll strike his temple as to what it is that he needs to remember in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I'm fairly confident it aligned with what I was talking about. I'm just not exactly sure which moment it was. <laughs> Could it be close to that time that we talked about poop? No. Okay. Well. Maybe? Maybe. No. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, well, we probably should get things going here. But. But. I this lie. is episode 12. We yes. are not including the two specials in our episode counting, if you've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something we will continue to do. Any specials will be outside of the normal episode numbering system. Yes, this is true. Um, but we had talked... A few times, and we wanted to do kind of season one is 15 episodes, and that is going to work out perfectly with some limitations we have at the moment, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so, I'm speaking this week, John's got next week, Drew's got the following week, and then we're doing a special grand finale season ender episode. With a guest. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) If we can get them. So... Stay tuned for that one. Um, we're still committed to Renewed Brain, and yes. we're going to use our break to launch bigger, lots of different stuff. Bigger and better things. Um, we still have lots of vision for it and lots of stuff. And honestly, I never expected us to make it this far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought sure. I'd be out of things to say by now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll have a few things up. We're hoping by the time you hear this to have a Facebook page up, if not, if it's not up yet soon. Um, and then who knows, maybe we'll venture on into Instagram and Twitter, but we'll talk more about that and make some final decisions on that. Right. Yeah. 
And that's keep up with us on Facebook because we'll let you know when season two begins. Yes. And what's going on. We want to keep you updated with what we're doing and where we're going and big plans. It shouldn't be hard to find us because Renewed Brain is kind of unique and not very many things out there for it. So Yes. I think there's like a psychologist. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. But then it's the wording's different too. So anyways. Anyways, we shall begin. Yes. So we're going to go into our segment of have a drink with me with our famous Jeff Trudeau, who knows everything. Not really, but okay. Now it's time for Have a Drink With Me. Alright, welcome back to Have a Drink With Me. I'm Jeff Trudeau, smartest man alive, according to John Spear. <laughs> no, but uh, today we're going to talk about atonement, which is like one of those words we talk about in church and nobody really knows what that means. Um, basically atonement is the restoration plan of God and how, um, what his idea is for bringing men back into fellowship with him. And so, uh, there's a lot to say about it and I don't know how I'm going to say it in 10 minutes, so I'm probably not going to, but, uh, I'd like to start with the Hebrew definition of sin. Um, So Hebrew has, it's a word-poor language, so they don't have a whole lot of words in it. So to make different words, you combine words together and blah, 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 blah. That's how it goes. So the root of sin is hata, literally the letters H-T. Um... And oftentimes we as Christians would translate sin as missing the mark. Um, but when you go into those root words, it's kind of a forgotten blueprint or forgotten plans. And so that really just kind of stuck out to me when I heard that. And it's how like the fall of man is really about us forgetting who we actually are. And so the restoration of man is about bringing us back into a place where we know who we are. And so that's a very different view on atonement than you've probably ever heard before. (laughs) Um, And so, like, the senior pastor at our church, Drew Neal, often says, like, the Bible's a progression and God's always coming nearer and closer and kinder. And so there's that whole over overarching theme throughout the Bible. And so in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and Eve, and they have this fellowship with God, and they trust God is who he says he is, and they trust they are who they are told they are by God, because they trust who God is. And that's really what Satan came up against. Satan came to Eve, and he said, basically tried to corrupt their image, their blueprints of who God and they were. Because it's that, did God really say, like, can you really trust what he said? 
Like he said, you're going to die. You're not going to die. He knows you're going to become like him. But the truth of the matter was when God created them, he created them in his image. They were already like God, as much like God as God wanted them to be, you know? And so like in that, in that knowledge, in that blueprint plan, there was identity that got broken with sin. And so, um, we go down the line and it's just a bunch of lost people trying to figure things out. And so this God getting nearer thing, we have the 10 commandments and a lot of, uh, like a lot of that view is God wants these laws. And if we don't follow these laws perfectly, we're damned. <laughs> like it's a bad day. And I kind of been toying with this idea that like, what if the law, as it was given by God, wasn't about what we needed to do and not do, but it was God restoring our identity back? And so God was saying, like, you Israelites, you are my people, like, and you're a people that honors me, God. And you're a people that honors your family and you love truth and you love your neighbor and you like all of these things where the law was no longer that list of do's and don'ts, but it actually became a character description about us. It's restoring that identity, restoring that, um, that frame of mind that we lost in the garden. And so you have all that and it goes on and we, as people don't get it. And I think for so long, like the ritual sacrifices of the law, you know, if you look at like how prophecy in modern times are and how like we receive a word from God and we can go back and ask for more. And like, these were a people that had just come out of, out of slavery, out of Egypt. And they had all of these laws that were on them about how everything in their life was done. And so I'm sure they came back to Moses and said, we need more. What happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? And so through that and through communion with God, I, th I believe that's where the ritualistic laws kind of flowed out of. And I think like it's supported in scripture. Like God really was never about blood sacrifice. Um, and I'll, I'll just read a couple quick verses on that. Hosea six, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Psalm 51, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Isaiah verse one, the multitude of your sacrifices. What are they to me? Says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. And it goes on and it says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of, your, out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And so God's priority was really about loving people really well. And that's that was the law. That was the purpose of the law. That was 
his plan for us the entire time was that we loved each other well. And I believe some of the sacrifice comes out of, um, out of the garden of Eden. Um, and we see like Adam and Eve hid. And so God took the ram and made coverings for them. And that's, that's where we base a lot of our atonement model out of like, Jesus is that, that covering ram, which I believe there's truth to. Um, but I don't believe it was, it was, it wasn't for the sake of killing Jesus. Killing Jesus was for, for our sake to fulfill our requirements of that need. His life was the fulfillment of, of God's requirement for it. Um, how much time do I have left here? Not much. <laughs> Um, so Jesus, when he comes, I guess, let, let me put it this way. You're about to give the biggest speech of your life. You drop mustard on your shirt. Like that mustard is going to distract you from that speech. The entire night. You're not going to be concentrating on what you have to say. You're going to be concentrating on whether or not people see that stain. And that's kind of the, the sin of the garden. That was the shame that Adam and Eve felt. That's why they hid from God. Because they could no longer see God because they were too focused on that stain. And so what God did was he sent Jesus to be the covering. I mean, like Jesus literally takes, his, like, takes that stain, cleans it off perfectly, and goes, you're clean. And then he goes, but you still think it's there. So I'm going to cover you with my own shirt. So now you can look at God and see him. Now you can deliver that speech fully, live your life fully, because you're no longer distracted by the stains that have been put on you. And like, that's, that's atonement. Like, that's what Jesus did. His sacrifice wasn't of the order of burnt sacrifices. It was of the order of I'm giving myself, giving my position, my completion of the law, and putting that on you so that you don't have to look at the stains anymore, be focused on that shame and that, and you can just look back at the Father and be in fellowship with him. Wowza. Wowza, wowza, wowza. That's so good. Um, no, I really, really liked what you had to say because a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the identity message that is out there today is simply, you know, you have to start out with, you know, believing this one truth and that is your sins are forgiven and, are have been completely washed away and you've been made new so you're no longer recognized by what you did in your past but you're recognized as what your intended purpose was the whole entire time you know um and one thing i really love about the you know atonement you know is that it covers you even from before you even existed you know, before you even existed, you were already atoned for and forgiven. It's just the reality that 
we have to recognize that we've been forgiven and that everything that we've done in our past doesn't matter and that we're, you know, we're just happy that we get to live with, yeah. with God on the earth today. And, you know, while you're talking, I actually opened up my uh, Bible app on my phone. Yes, I know I'm a sinner. I don't have my actual Bible <laughs> with me. Um, but uh, in uh, Titus one chapter chapter one verse two it says uh it starts out that, like this it says this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life which god who does not lie promised them before the world began okay and it says and now at just the right time he has revealed this message which was which we announced to everyone and so we, you know, Paul, you know, he's talking about in, in that case there, he's talking about how, you know, it's, it's been given to us, this message of forgiveness, of atonement, this message of being made righteous. You know, you read that out throughout the whole entire book of Ephesians. You know, the whole entire book of Ephesians is who we are. Yeah. It's our identity. Like that wasn't specifically written just to the Jews or just to the Gentiles. It was written for everybody to read. Yeah. You know, and most people will, you know, they'll read scripture and they'll just look at it and say, Oh, well this was supposed to be directed towards this person or that person or this group of people or that group of people. And it's like, no, everything that was written in the Bible is meant for you today. You know, it's a, uh, the Bible is a, yeah a book without an expiration date. Right. It. Right. There's a context you need to read it within. Yes. But like God is an unchanging God. And mm -hmm. so the truths that were truths 2000 years ago are still truths today. Exactly. You know, God doesn't, he doesn't go back on his word. And so when we're talking about atonement and we're talking about what Jesus did, you know, it's not like it's some fantasy story. Like, these are real, true things that happen and that we have access to today. And we can't crucify people that may not have been living the right life. You know, we, we had on, um, I talked about uh, sin and the sinner. Right. And to be honest with you, with that recording, it was one of those moments where, like, I was talking and I didn't know if anything I was saying was making sense. <laughs> and then I listened to it like not too long ago. And I was like, wow, that actually all made sense and fell in together. And the reality is, is that the atonement gives us the ability so that we don't have to push people away. Because if you look in the old covenant and in the old Testament, when somebody was living their life in sin, they hadn't offered up a sacrifice. They hadn't, you know, kill the fatted calf or anything, they were shunned. Right. They were considered dirty, filthy, not to be touched, not to be interacted with. And so, you know, um, sometimes, you know, I don't want to beat up on the church, but sometimes today in church, we say that we give people grace, but on, on, on the other hand, when we find out that they're going clubbing or they're doing drugs or... They have some issues with sexuality, like anything that is considered bad. We just say, oh, well, that bad thing that's in their life is them. Yeah. So we're just going to leave them off to the side. 
And I love what you said because in, when you're talking about atonement, atonement says that you've been forgiven already, so I'm not going to look at you with the mustard stain on your shirt. I'm going to look beyond it, and I'm going to look at you and know who with you the really Jesus are. Jesus shirt. On. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, like, I was, I didn't say it in there, but John 17, Jesus defi- redefines eternal life. Yeah. And so, like, I'm going to get to it, but Adam and Eve, they're commanded in the garden, don't eat of this fruit, on that day you'll surely die. And Satan basically comes up against that truth. He says, you're not going to die. But Jesus in John 17, he defines eternal life as knowing him, Jesus, and the one who sent him, God the Father. And so if no, if knowing God is eternal life, then Adam and Eve did die that day. Because mm-hmm. on that day, they lost that knowledge. They lost knowing who God was. And we know that because they hid from God. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I know for myself personally, growing up, a lot of the times when I messed up, I would really beat myself up about it because I didn't have the revelation of I've been forgiven. So anything that I did that was wrong or I made a mistake, I mean, I would spend at least a couple of days beating myself up about it because I thought in order to make things right with whoever it was, you know, it wasn't until I was absolutely sorry and I was absolutely um, convinced that what I did was terrible that I was going to be able to be forgiven. Right. And so the atonement, what Jesus did, what even what Jesus said, you know, one of my favorite things is that one of my favorite things that Jesus did was this, and this is what I use quite a bit for um, explanation of salvation, okay? Um, When Jesus was walking through the crowd, there was a woman who was sick and had an issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment, okay? And you gotta realize, like, the disciples were all around Jesus, like, pushing people back because they didn't want them touching him. And one woman broke through, grabbed the hem of his garment, not even his skin, didn't even touch him physically, just his garment. And it says in scripture that he felt virtue leave him, okay? And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? Like, we're pushing everybody back. Nobody has touched you. And he said, no, who touched me? And the woman cried out and said, I did Messiah or Lord or other translations. You know, they say they go back and forth. Messiah, Lord, whatever. Um, And all Jesus does is he turns and he says, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Go and sin no more. Yeah. Like that's like I was saying, like Jesus's life was the 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 model for atonement that you know, mm-hmm. wanted like every time Jesus healed somebody he wasn't so much concerned about what the healing the healing was proving the fact that they were forgiven yeah like and so I mean think about that for a second Jesus was saying you're safe you're saved you're forgiven yeah at that moment and he hadn't even died yet yeah see because it, his death was 
like, yes, I'm not, like, denying the power of the cross because the power of the cross proves, like, his power over death. Yeah. Like, it's the the death blow to the enemy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's that's the power of the cross, but the, the cross itself wasn't the sacrifice that was needed to appease God for our sins. Yeah. Because God had forgiven us, you know? Like, yeah. Before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. It was like that was already that was already planned. He was God's not concerned with sacrifices. Mm-hmm. He's concerned with love. Yeah, and I mean it, it's you know, and the the atonement just it's a piece. It's a piece of who God is. Yeah. You know. People will go you'll talk with people about, you know, grace, about love. These are topics that are fought about a lot because People say, oh, well, there's a limit to this, and there's a limit to that. But in all reality, there isn't. There's no proof in Scripture that there is. And, you know, things that I've heard a lot, you know, through conversation with people who try to get in debates with me, but, (laughs) you know, is, oh, well, what about when Paul said that, you know, about the mother and the, you know, the, the son that were in sexual sin, like... He told them to cast them out of the church and all this stuff. And what I'm thinking is, okay, in that day, in that time, the way that we communicate to each other has changed drastically. Yeah. Okay. So I I could imagine this situation looking a little bit like this. Like, hey... You know, we have heard and understand that you guys are doing such and such thing. We just want to let you know that what you're doing isn't right, and we don't support you in it. Um, So, uh, you know, basically, if you want to continue to do this, then we can't support you in that. And so, at that point, then... Yes, they would leave the village. They would leave the town. But it's not like they grabbed him by the scruff of their necks, <laughs> threw him outside of the town's and lines, gave him the boot, and, and beat them to death. Yeah. You know, that's that's the the mental image that's put in people's minds when they think of cast him out of the town, get rid of them. Da 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 da. Yeah. No, like anything that we do. I made, I've made this point probably a thousand times already, but anything that we do is meant to be done out of love. Everything that God has done for us has been done out of love. Right. And people say, oh, what about, you know, Job, you know, and his family? They were all slaughtered and all this stuff. But I realized through studying scripture and, you know, we had a speaker not too long ago come and say, well, one thing you don't realize is that Job wasn't in covenant with God. Job never slaughtered a calf, never made covenant with God as, you know, David did and Moses and a few other people did. Abraham, like, these are all people. Yeah, Job is the oldest story in the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like he predates Abraham, which is the first time God really comes and reveals himself to a specific person. Yeah. And the thing is, is that God doesn't violate covenant. When you're in covenant with God, you're in covenant. Like, he's not going to break a covenant just because you did something or said something. 
And we treat people and we treat situations a lot of the time like, oh, well, there is a time where you can cut people out of covenant and you can cut people out of salvation. And it's like, no, that's not what that's not what atonement is. That's not what salvation is. Yeah. Salvation can't be taken away from somebody unless it's on their own accord and their own choice, you know? And unless I intentionally walk away from God completely and say I'm going to serve the devil for the rest of my <laughs> life, you are not, you have not been shorthanded salvation. Right. Like, so I just think that the church is in a unique time and season where it's beginning to realize that you can't shove people out, you can't push people away, because guess what? People are still doing what they want. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how many times we go and picket at courthouses or we have debates about situations. Because in the end, things are going to happen. The question is, what is your response going to be? Our jobs as believers is not necessarily always meant to be proactive. Sometimes there are situations where we have to be reactive. Yeah. Not always, but sometimes. And we're seeing that in our country today with the issue of same-sex marriage, the issue of abortion, the issues that people consider to be morally wrong. It's not going to be done through picketing. It's not going to be done through violently disclaiming. Right. Yeah, you're not going to change anyone's opinion there. Like, it's an issue that's a lot more deeply rooted than the law, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, than something physically manifest in this world that we can Mm -hmm. tangibly just, you know, change it. Like, there's mindsets that have to be... Mm-hmm. dealt with and and I don't know if most people realize this but even before there was the laws people still lived the same way that they do today yeah before even when God made the 10 commandments made the laws with Moses people were still acting out and still doing the same thing so the thing isn't how are we going to make it to where they abide by the law? The thing is, what? how am I going to present Jesus? How am I going to present salvation? How am I going to pre- present... Um, how am I going to be an ambassador for the kingdom yeah. and represent God's kingdom in a way to where they don't want to live their life that way? Well, that's, that's when you begin, like, the blueprint thing, you know? Yeah. When you begin to understand who you are, the, the law flows out of you because that that law is literally a description of who you are, yes. you know? And so you have to like get people into that. They have to they have to know God because by knowing God you can begin to know who you are and yeah. what those plans were for your life, those blueprints for exactly. your life, you know? So all that to say this that when when you are living your life out, your life as a Christian, as a believer, myself personally, this is something I work on myself personally with, is that my life should glisten in every area with hope 
and with joy. Because if it does not, then what am I offering different? Yeah. If my life doesn't represent love, doesn't represent joy, doesn't represent hope, okay, then what, or or even grace and mercy, what is my life being different of? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. That's what, that's what Paul talked about in Corinthians. We, we talk about the scripture all the time because it's true. It's real. I can do all these things. I can say all these things, but guess what? If I don't have love behind me, and if love doesn't produce what I'm doing, then it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. The world offers the same, you know, more pleasurable counterfeit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, anyways, it's a great topic, Mr. Trudeau. Loved it. Enjoyed it. And hopefully we uh, we will catch you guys next week. On the flip side.